Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. It's funny because we never even told, I don't think me and Ben said that he wasn't going to be here. So this might, this might come as a shock to a lot of people. Uh, oh, that Ben wasn't going to be here? Yeah. Well, just so, pret- like pretend that I'm yeah. going to talk about it. Don't, don't adjust your uh, TV sets. This is, this is not Ben Kahn and Emil DeRosa. This is Emil DeRosa and Kyla Scanlon. Uh, ben is down under in Australia. Yeah. And we have, we're very lucky to have a new host, a new co-host, Kyla Scanlon. You guys know her from everywhere. TikTok, social media, Instagram. You've seen her on Twitter. YouTube, Twitter. Twitter. She just interviewed... Mary Daly, San Francisco Fed president and CEO. Yeah. Uh, she just taught, she just did a presentation at MIT Graduate School of Business, Sloan. Yes. Not the undergrad kids, the graduate school. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's big <laughs> Got stuff. Got to separate it out. And she's here with us today to talk about uh, the House of the Dragons finale. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> what is is that Game of Thrones? Oh, this is bad because all my questions are House of oh, the Dragon. Oh no, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't Shit. Know. Okay, let me see if I've got anything. <laughs> no, it's just I'm like prepared to comment. <laughs> what did you think when that guy got chomped? Uh, uh, okay. No, we're obviously we're not going to talk about House of the Dragons. We're going to talk no. about uh, the, the economy. economy. <laughs> we're going to do a big freaking Yay. bird's eye view On the of the economy. economy. Yay. i love the economy (laughs) do you love the economy yeah oh before we get started i have to say so every time we've had a every time we've had a guest i would say it's been not great people say oh no fuck you guys don't have this person on again but when we had you on (laughs) everyone was like this is the best episode Uh, and we still get comments that are like bring kyla back well and when i knew we were having you back on i was like just wait <laughs> even once we booked you we still had people going i want kyla that's exciting yeah i'm glad so am i because i mean <laughs> we've got to have at least one guest people like oh <laughs> <laughs> i like all your guests i think all of them are no they were all great, great. yeah yeah uh yeah but universal praise for oh, your episode well, thanks everybody <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna add some applause in there <laughs> alex will do it <laughs> I'll get the beat, man. Kramer, when I get done with you, yeah. you ready Fill me up, Errol. Bitcoin solves this. Bitcoin, 100,000. <laughs> we do have to give the disclaimer again. You got to check it in the description box. Um, yeah, we should just jump right in because Kyla has so much stuff to talk to us about. We're going to, mm. we're going to go around the world a little bit, talk about yeah. what's going on. 
Then we're going to zoom back in, talk about what's going on here yep. in Los Angeles. So let's start in. Oh, no. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Before we. Uh, I, I can fix that. <laughs> before we even do that, I also want to say we haven't covered this yet because I honestly didn't think it would end up happening. And I'm sure you guys have heard. But the Phillies are in the World Series. And that's a big deal for us because if you haven't heard, every time the Phillies win the World Series, there is a uh, <laughs> there's an economic downturn. So uh, before before they were the Phillies, they were the Athletics in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. They won in 1929 and 1930. Not great years for the uh, world economy. Uh, they won in 1980 and then in 2008. Mm-hmm. So. This episode comes out on a Friday. I think game one is tonight. I'm not a big sports guy, but if you want everything to be okay, root against them. Root against the Phillies. Yeah. Correlation is causation for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In my mind, our entire <laughs> world economy is hanging on this. On the Phillies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On baseball. I like think of myself as not a superstitious person, but when I saw these stories, I was like... It is a little scary. I was like, let's turn our... Baseball hats inside out. Yeah. Rally caps. Yeah. There's also the Avatar movie was released in 2008. Oh, And they're shit. re-releasing it, right? James Cameron. Yeah. Also responsible. Yeah, for recessions. So guys, don't yell at politicians. Don't yell at yeah. presidents. Mm-hmm. Yell Find at James Cameron's house. And the Phillies. And go to the Phillies' houses. Houses. Yeah. And let them know. Let them know protect the economy <laughs> what a mess okay should we go should we talk about the uk first sure and what's going on yeah yeah <laughs> they just picked their new pm pm yeah. and they chose the head of lettuce <laughs> it seems like that for <laughs> a while yeah no it's in- it's interesting i mean it seems like things have calmed down quite a bit but for a while it was just like what is going on right yeah <clears throat> they yeah. picked rishi sunak mm-hmm. to uh succeed Liz Trust. Liz Trust, yeah. Do we... Because I thought Liz was going to be the girl. I thought in Liz we trust. Yeah. But not so much. Yeah. Do you well, think Rishi Sunak can write the ship? <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it'll depend. They're re-releasing <clears throat> the fiscal package on October 31st. So it'll Spooky. depend... Yeah, right? But it'll depend on that. Yeah, and that, what that says. Right. And, you know, there's some reason to have some confidence in Rishi, right? Because he was uh, he was against... Liz's proposals, right? Yeah, I believe he was calling them f- uh, fantasy land yeah. or fairy tale, fairy tale. I economics. think yeah, fantasy land. Yeah. So there's some reason to have some confidence in him. I think other people are a bit disappointed. I don't, I don't know if you saw people were comparing his wealth to the king's wealth. Oh. So <laughs> Rishi Sunak is richer than no the king way. of England. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh no. Between his wife is uh, is very wealthy. Right. From her father's company. Yeah. And uh, they've mm-hmm. been in, they were in some hot water because of. Didn't she evade taxes? Also? Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Okay. But then she got caught and she was like, all right, all right, I'll pay the taxes. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Even though her, you know, husband was responsible for setting some of the, um, you know, tax policy and everything. Uh, sure. Also, we got a shout out. He's a Stanford business school guy. Kind of our rival show. They don't know it, but they're all right. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For, uh, for, uh, for a very specific for your, weird for... joke that we did with our fans. Oh, really? But Stanford Business School doesn't know we exist, I'm sure. I'm sure they know. They're aware. 
Why wouldn't they be aware? I don't know. I hope yeah. they're aware. Well, yeah. You just have to think positively. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but so another reason we we don't mess with Rishi. Yeah. Well, and hopefully, like, I don't know. It'll depend on what markets decide. Like, if they like Rishi. That's the most important thing right Markets now. really decided they didn't like Liv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you explain what happened a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So um, they released their fiscal package, like Liz Trust and everything. Um, and it was really inflationary. Like, it was tax cuts and a bunch of fiscal spending. And markets did not like that. And so the pound cratered their currency, get yield soared. And it was just super bad for a while. And then the Bank of England had to step in because their pension funds were about to implode because they had this exposure to liability-driven investments. And so if all of a sudden, you know, get yields are soaring, that means that these LDIs are going to be under a lot of pressure. So the pension funds were under a lot of pressure. So the Bank of England had to step in, fix everything. And um, the markets just were very clear that they were not happy about this inflationary fiscal package that was put forward. Right. I'm confused. What like what was Liz thinking? Like, do you think this was she was like this is my Margaret <laughs> Thatcher moment? We're gonna, you know. I mean, I think like what's really interesting right now about all governments and even in the United States because we have midterms coming up is like the politicking versus actual governance. So there was like no sense in the package being passed. Like the package itself didn't really make a whole lot of sense. It was much more like politics versus actual governing. Right. Um. So I think it's that sort of stuff where you have governments who are just sort of focused on the next re-election, on the next way to gain more power. Um, and that's like a, you know, a really broad brush to paint across all governments. But I think that's a big problem. Yeah. But I, th- and I think that's where it's hard to piece together, right? Because uh, I don't know when their election is, but, you know, it's hard to think like, oh, this is going to win people over. This is going to win people to the conservative party. Mm-hmm. Um, I know times are tough right now, but we're... Slashing taxes for the rich. Mm-hmm. We're going to, I think they were like releasing limits on bankers bonuses and everything. <clears throat> it's hard to see that as a, uh, as a positive outcome for the conservative party in Britain. Yeah. Obviously it didn't work out that well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. A lot of people are talking about Liz Truss. She, um, she accomplished a lot of things that like the, the British left could not. She killed the queen. She <laughs> She's in that. Single-handedly. <laughs> Maybe. She, uh, she, you know, killed the conservative party. Um, yeah. So. I don't know. Lots of changes happening for that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And weren't you saying there's a lot that, you know, the U.S. could learn from what is going on in Britain? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's going to have to be, a, specifically on the monetary policy side, um, it, it, like how the markets responded is important to pay attention to. And I don't like a lot of people will be like, oh, if you're saying that markets basically dictated what happened to Liz Truss, you're saying that democracy can't exist under capitalism, which is like, I don't know if that's true or not. I I think it has to exist. No, she it's true. She <laughs> I'm not saying. Well, it's just interesting because like so you have fiscal policymakers. So people like Liz Truss, people like Joe Biden, like the U.S. government, the U.K. government. And then you also have monetary policy decision makers. So here in the United States, the Federal Reserve over there, the Bank of England. And then you also have like markets now and right. you've always had markets like they've mm-hmm. always been the final judge of policy but for the united states specifically like how um markets responded to this in uh, this fiscal package
language that was put forward, the the United States is going to have to pay attention to that. And I don't like there's different measures in place that we won't have that same sort of fallout. Like we don't have pension funds that are overly exposed to that sort of leverage that was in the liability driven investments. But it's still like something that is important to to watch is like market fundamentalism and how right. that plays out. Yeah. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. I don't think we really have pension funds here. <laughs> yeah, nobody retire. <laughs> yeah. You just work until you Our die. retirement yeah. plan is to work until yeah. you're dead. Yeah, and that's... That's uh, mine. That's mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wait, real quick before we move on, can you explain a little bit that uh, the difference between monetary policy and fiscal policy? Because I think oh. we're going to talk about that yeah. a lot and I want people to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so monetary policy is basically that the central banks deciding what to do. Um, and here in the United States, the central banks have a political mandate where they are responsible for maximum employment and price stability. So Congress gives them that mandate and they're like, here you go. Like you take care of that. You take care of the monetary policy side of things. And then the fiscal policy side of things is the U.S. government. So what the government decides to do, what politicians decide to do, it's that side. So it's two different um, sides. So like here in the United States, the central bank is a independent body but it still has like a mandate from congress yeah, yeah the Fed. Mm-hmm. okay should we move on to china a little bit didn't you want to talk yeah, about <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to... uh well china just picked china just had their <laughs> they just picked no <laughs> that's bad uh, yeah. that's a bad way to say it uh xi jinping cemented his power yes very um, much so again Markets did not like it. Yeah, mar- yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, but I think they might have less say in China. Yeah, well, the U.S. markets didn't. Oh, well, it was interesting though, because J.P. Morgan was like, "Now it's a great buying opportunity <laughs> to get into China stocks," and it's like, oh. um, but yeah, I mean, now if you have exposure to China, you have exposure to Xi. So it's just kind of, um, it's a tough spot. There was a really good video from um, this former, I think he was a Singapore prime minister. I messed that up. Our Singapore cabinet member. And he was sort of talking about like what China's plan is. And for them, like they can kind of move slowly. They don't have to respond to political pressures in the same way that the United States does. And so they're just um, like there's a lot of pressures on their economy right now. And that's why they release their metrics so late. And that's also what investors didn't like was how concerning it is that a lot of these numbers are increasingly being papered over. Right. Yeah. And what are some of those things that's uh, affecting the Chinese economy so heavily? 
Well, the property sector. So over there, real estate is huge. Like people get a lot of exposure to real estate. It's one of the main ways to build wealth. And that's been cratering. Um, and also there's a lot of insulation from outside investment. So like nobody really knows what goes on because they all do internal auditing. So there isn't a lot of knowledge about what's actually happening behind the scenes. So like that aspect of it, it makes it less attractive to outside investment. And then also internally, their property sector isn't doing very well. And then also the, the lockdowns, they've been under lockdown for right. a long time. A lot of people yeah. might not be aware, but they're still mm -hmm. doing, I think they still have the zero COVID yeah. policies in place. Yeah. And they're easing back on that for sure. They are? Uh, I think so. Okay. It's not coming up as much. <clears throat> um, but I mean, they're still like, if, if that was happening here in the United States, it would be... Yeah, I think, I mean, I think people are very unhappy there about it. It sounds like, you know, there's a... Where is that? Where? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Come on, make it up. <laughs> <laughs> Fiji. Fiji? Yeah, that's in Fiji. Oh, nice. I've never been there. We were talking about China. Oh, zero COVID yeah, policies. Yeah, and that's really bad for your economy, really bad for demand, and consumer spending is a huge portion of how economies grow, so... It's just not not great, yeah. Not great, mm -hmm. no. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure they have like a lower vaccination rate, but there are plans to get that rate up. And if mm -hmm. they start getting more people vaccinated, they can open up more effectively. Yeah. Um, also, are you? Do you know anything about the? Is it called the Chips and Science Act? No. Oh, really? Yeah. Tell me. With the Congress passed the Chips and Science Science Act, they want to be. They want the U.S. to become more mm. competitive with, yeah. well, producing chips here and not only more competitive, I think, to hedge against uh, like geopolitical events or not only, you know, even if there's more uh, outbreaks of COVID, things that yeah. slow down microchip yeah. mm -hmm. production. Um, so, yeah, more domestic production of all of those things, yeah. ideally. Yeah. And also um, isolating China from American-made chips. Mm. Anywhere in the process of making the chips, if American industry touched them, China, China cannot, which is going to be hard for China to be yeah. isolated from that production. Can America do that easily, though? Uh, I don't, we're kind of seeing it be being implemented now. I was actually pretty surprised at how quickly it happened. I think Joe Biden issued an or the Biden administration issued an order uh, because they don't even want Americans working for Chinese companies anymore. So yeah, I think I, I, saw that. I think Americans who were working um, in chip production at Chinese companies, I think they told them uh, either quit or renounce your yeah. citizenship. Mm -hmm. It's your option, which I was surprised about. Yeah. Um, so that is also going to be hard for the Chinese economy. Well, and also probably not ideal for the United States, um, just because, you know, the two countries have so much exposure to each other. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess if that makes it, <laughs> that's tough. And like, also, it does seem like the United States has talked about this before, like Janet Yellen has been really focused, who's the um, head of the Treasury, Treasury yeah, Treasury Secretary. Um, she's talked a lot about friendshoring and how we have to like... Talked about what? Friendshoring. Friendshoring? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what it's essentially it? what you're saying to a certain extent, like getting production away from China, from other nations that maybe we don't agree with to a certain extent, or the United States doesn't agree with to a certain extent on views. Um, <laughs> sure. 
So that's that's the goal. And and, and there's um that's good to a certain extent and it's bad to a certain extent. Uh just we've gotten really used to globalization. We've gotten really used to, you know, two day shipping and that's not gonna go away. But I think these efficiencies that we've expected in modern life are going to be pressured by these these signs of deglobalization that we seem to be experiencing. Right. Yeah. They might go away though. Uh what would go away? Like, you know, two day shipping and <laughs> it's some pretty of these wild. inconveniences there, like some of these conveniences we've yeah. become accustomed to. There was an article in The Atlantic by Derek Thompson that was interviewing a postal worker who, you know, sorts up throughout all the packages from Amazon. And he's like, I have to get in at one o'clock in the morning, sort through these packages. It's like insane physical labor. And it's just so you all can have packages on Sunday and have packages on holidays. So we've almost gotten used to this, these efficiencies in a way that probably isn't net good for society. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's another obvious we send thing. But... Derek to an Amazon warehouse. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's yeah. the you know you we kind of have come to realize oh we can't have these conveniences yeah. without some human suffering. Yeah. And I guess we have to decide. How much suffering <laughs> is okay to get, you know. Well, and that also, like, that's an interesting point, too, is the labor market. Like, so the labor market is very tight right now to a certain extent. So people can demand what they want from their employers because it's like, well, I, you have to have a job and you have to have people working. And so I wonder if we'll see, like, more worker power come in just because employers need these people to work. Labor market has been historically tight. And so that could put some pressure on the idea of efficiencies too. Right. Mm -hmm. Not to jump ahead, but that kind of... Is ahead. <laughs> well, that yeah. leads me to something like I want to talk about a little bit with the Fed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's kind of... We talked about this a little bit, but I said we'll save it for the show. But yeah. I wanted to... I wanted to text you about like because when i watch everything going on with the fed and the economy it's it's hard to you know it's hard to figure out what i want to happen but like genuinely what i want to happen is you know for us to get out of this situation with as little suffering for ordinary people as possible um extraordinary people though i don't care, I don't care how <laughs> much they suffer like mark zuck he's lost 70 billion <laughs> yeah great so yeah. fun right <laughs> probably more now yeah. uh someone actually just texted me before it started and said i guess uh facebook is now worth less than home depot oh nice okay. um so meta you mean no one out meta. meta sorry meta. <laughs> <laughs> no one out homes the depot um but <clears throat> you know among progressives, there are there's these kind of uh, two different arguments about what the Fed is doing, because we're experiencing one of the fastest rate hikes in history. Some people yeah. are very upset about that. They're saying that Jerome Powell is intending to cause a recession. He wants people to he wants people thrown out of work. Um, and then kind of the other side, people are saying, no, this low rate environment is is what caused a huge mm. amount of uh you know of, of ever widening wealth gap it made it made borrowing very easy for the wealthy um yeah. it kind of led to the financialization of everything mm. and what you were talking about with the labor market is you know that's i think i fall more on the side of like him raising rates as quickly as he is is um I don't think he's expli as explicit as maybe someone like Larry Summers, who's like, you know, we got to get it up to, we got to get the unemployment rate up to over 5%. And it's at about what? It's lower than three, three and, and a half percent. percent. Yeah. 
But when people say things like that, they're talking about millions of people losing millions, their jobs. Millions, yeah. Yeah, and, that'd probably be two million people losing their jobs. Right. Yeah. And that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And but like people t- you, you say the numbers and you're like, well, one and a half percent. What's you know, yeah, what's the it difference? doesn't sound like the that. difference is a couple million people out of work. Mm-hmm. With LinkedIn jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. And, you know, I tend to think that, you know, a tight labor market can be good. I think if people are demanding things... Um, I'd much rather see us deal with it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, where 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 do you shake out on this? I know you told me that your thoughts on the Fed have changed a little mm-hmm. bit since the last time we talked. So I'd love yeah. to hear about what that is. Yeah. Well, the economy has changed right. since the last time we talked. But I think you're totally right that it's really difficult to have that conversation and to see the headlines. And this is something I get asked a lot where it's like, why does the Fed want people to lose their jobs? Like that doesn't even sound like a plausible thing but the whole thing is like they want people to lose their jobs so the economy slows down so inflation goes down and in their eyes people losing their jobs and not demanding as much money from their employers will help inflation go down inflation goes down then everybody will be happy again and then everyone can get back up like and i think the issue with that is like (laughs) um it, it is sort of like suffer in the short term for benefits in the long term but there isn't a promise that the long term will play out that way, right? Right. So I think I, I, I agree with you that if we're in an environment where workers can demand more from their employers, that's really good. Like there's a research paper that talks about how a lot of people are underpaid, um, obviously, right? Like right. they should be demanding more. They can get more out of their employer. And so I'm not saying like, I don't know what I'm saying with that, but I do think that what the Fed is doing is tough to to swallow because it's all these different lines that are kind of like pointing to this one direction of get inflation down but also they're using demand side tools which a lot of people pointed out using demand side tools to fight supply side inflation Um, and there's a video from katie porter who's talking about you know 50 percent of inflation is uh, to a certain extent corporate profits yeah which is wild and, and and obviously inflation is global. It's an energy crisis. It's a supply chain crisis. It's all these different things. But to say like, oh, you people just need to stop buying so many things. Right. It feels ridiculous. Yeah. And like that's in the issue is like the and the Fed is doing the best they can with what they have. Right. So they have a really blunt tool to raise rates, to shrink their balance sheet. And that is to make people stop demanding things. And so inflation goes down. But the issue with that is if you don't fix the underlying problem of we don't have enough energy production, we don't have enough food production, we don't maybe really have the right allocation of labor, right? Like if you just stopped, like what they're doing is putting a Band-Aid on like a gushing wound. Right. It's going to keep on bleeding through the Band-Aid, you know? right. <laughs> which is really gory, but yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that also, that reminds me of, I watched your talk with Mary Daly. Oh, Everyone should go watch it. It's very cool. Uh, 
Were you very excited to talk oh to God. a Fed president? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a yeah. rock star for you. Yeah, I know. It was, it was, <laughs> they, we got on the call and, um, like the initial call and they were like, oh, we're a big fan of you. And I was like, shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she said she watched one of my videos where I was, I had props in the video and she's like, oh, I saw that one. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, yeah no, was, she was, I mean, she was very cool. And speaking of, you know, yeah, the stuff we were talking Her about. Her story's cool too. Yeah, yeah, the stuff we were talking about with Rishi, I'm glad you mm -hmm. asked her about her story because you know that's one of the things people are pissed about Rishi getting in they're saying yeah, you know we're living through a crisis and this is going to be the guy going out to have a conversation and say you know I know this is going to affect working class people like we're really sorry that you have to suffer through yeah. and it's like you don't fucking know yeah. but you know she talks about how I think she had to drop out of high school yeah, when her yeah, had to get jobs had to get when her parents lost their jobs yeah. um in an economic downturn it must have yeah. been the 80s I'm just guessing from her age mm -hmm. um but you uh, what's that so so seven she lived through a high inflationary time too so i think it was the seven okay yeah oh right 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 yeah. okay um but then you had you had asked her about their relationship with the u.s government right like you know the relationship between fiscal and monetary policy she, I don't know. I feel like maybe she misunderstood the question a little bit or something or maybe just didn't want to talk about that because she said, well, we don't have one. We're an independent body. And she talked about how they just have the one tool, which honestly always feels so ridiculous where, where we task them with this huge thing and they're like, you have, you have the one tool. Go ahead, do it. Yeah. Fix the whole house. Yeah. And like the way that they figured out that that worked um, back when the Fed was founded in like 1913, it was a mistake. Like open our open market operations, which is what they do to like nudge around rates. It was the, it was a mistake. Like they were like, oh, this kind of moves interest rates around. Like, let's use this. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's like when yeah. it's like when scientists are trying to yeah. figure out like a heart medicine and they're like, yeah. I don't know, it makes your dick hard here. Yeah. Viagra. <laughs> or the guy who founded acid wasn't that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. He Viagra accidentally ingested some. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like pretty much every medicine is an accident. They're like, we're gonna fix this, and then they're like, I don't know, <laughs> it's a dick pill. <laughs> <laughs> but so with what you're talking about, doesn't it seem like we should have more of a relationship between fiscal and monetary policy? Well, so the reason that they're independent in the first place is so politicians, which, okay, so there's like two threads here. So the reason that they're independent in the first place is because they don't want politicians to be all short term and be like, oh, I have to get reelected. Like, let's nudge the Fed around so everything looks good and people want to reelect me. And the issue with that is like you have these elected representatives now coming out. I think it's Sherrod Brown um, from Ohio came out the other day. Somebody else came out this morning and was like, hey, no, the Fed, you got to chill out. And they're not supposed to be doing that. Like the Fed does report to Congress. I think it's semi-annual or maybe it's semi-annual. Okay. Um, and they tell Congress how things are going. But now you have these elected, yeah, Hickenlooper from uh, Colorado wrote a letter. Oh, yeah, to, your guy, John Hickenlooper. Yeah, he wrote a letter to Jerome <laughs> Powell. Um, and he said, I write to urge the Federal Reserve to pause and seriously consider the negative consequences of again raising interest rates. And so Sherrod Brown asked Jerome Powell to slow down interest rate rises in a letter one week before the FOMC meeting. The FOMC meeting is next week and two weeks before congressional elections. And so you have this independent body of their pseudo-independent, mm -hmm. pseudo-independent body. I always say suedo and people get really mad, but... <laughs> fuck you. If you get mad about Swedo, fuck you. I know. It's so... Oh, anyway. But um, so pseudo-independent body of the Federal Reserve that is supposed to be, you know, insulated to a certain extent of the short-termism of the fiscal side. Uh, but yeah, 
So to your point about like Mary Daly maybe not addressing how the interlinkage between fiscal and monetary policy works. Sorry, I wasn't throwing shade at your girl. No, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's okay. Um, well, so the Minneapolis Fed president also spoke to this um, a few weeks ago, and he was like, yeah, like if we had more supply side help, which would be fiscal policy, that would be great. And like fiscal policy could help with this by like helping mandate more housing being built, um, helping to figure out more regulation around labor allocation, like all of these different things, like supply chain, energy production, like all of that is, is a policy mandate that the fed can't do like the fed can't print oil as everybody says they can't print corn um so it's like (laughs) i know right yeah no but so i think the 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 problem for me is it doesn't have the intended concept like the intended result they wanted right and it seems like the 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 result we have Mm. is well politicians like screaming at the fed and being like they're not fucking doing it like it's their job to fix it and then you have the fed going like we're not getting enough help and it's like yeah. what i feel like i'm like with divorced yeah, a divorced yeah. Couple, like just talk yeah, to each other talk to each other yeah well i mean i i really think that like midterms are a big problem um and i don't think it gets talked about enough it's like the you're saying abolish midterms don't let people vote oh my god i don't even know what i think about the political system but, <laughs> okay. but like i no i don't think that <laughs> no, no. i think it's just funny to say to i think the midterms yeah. are a problem yeah well I, I so i i think the 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 mindset around midterms yeah, yeah, yeah. is the problem where people are so distracted by re-election that they're not as focused on passing policy right you know i've seen you uh i told you i wanted to talk about your some t- I've seen you tweet at politicians. Mm. Um, I try not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, it's something that's useless. You know, you're like yelling at a window or something or at the mirror, maybe. True. Yeah. Sometimes it just feels good. Though. I know, but then people yell at you <laughs> too. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you just have to live with it, you know? Yeah. I'm getting yelled at on Twitter right now, but it's okay. About what? Honestly, because I made fun of TikTok. It's fine. Oh, uh, no. Oh, I'm on TikTok. No, I literally, I, I never go on TikTok and like someone sent me one and it opens the app when you do it. And then I clicked out of it and then it was whatever was on the home screen and it was some like old song. So I clicked the sound and I just was like, this is making me feel crazy because I just kept flipping through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just kept flipping through the sound. Obviously, no, but it just oh. makes you feel crazy. And Did I ju- people make fun of you because it's a bunch of girls? No, people made... F- they think that I don't know that I clicked a sound. They're like, oh, he's so stupid, um, but it's fine. <laughs> Twitter is such a cesspool. And people are like quote tweeting me and being like, oh, yeah, like anyone can click the oh sound. Oh, my God, and make it no. But oh, you're right. getting dragged. <laughs> Local... <laughs> <laughs> what does it say? <laughs> Local man clicks on a trending sound. Surprised you people having fun with the trend. It was a dumb joke. Don't make dumb jokes on Twitter. That's the thing. Well, also, you never know like what people are gonna glom onto. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, oh yeah, for sure. And it sucks because I'll write a tweet and I'll go, "Well, I did it. You're the funniest man in the world." Oh, they're being so have... nice to you. <laughs> you clicked on a sound of a dumbass. Of course, there's. All... Yeah, I know. I know what I did. Uh, <laughs> I like that you're getting so much pleasure out of everyone. I, I mean, listen, people say all sorts of things to me, so it's nice to see someone else get you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because I tell people like I like purposely don't. I, I feel like it's a you know yeah I see you go through it like being <laughs> being sincere on Twitter 
is like just oh god it's like putting a kick me did you see the girl who tweeted that she goes into the garden with her husband and yes yeah like that was wild and people were screenshotting so for those of you don't know i think i think she said like there's nothing like waking up and going right. into my garden with my husband and drinking tea. Yeah. It's the most relaxing yeah, thing. Yeah, and we can do it for hours every morning. And the thing is, once a tweet hits anywhere above, like, I don't know, a thousand likes, it starts to, like, hit the algorithm and you it starts to hit just the most, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. just creatures who come yeah. out of the... <laughs> um, and they start, there it is. they start picking it apart and they think you're... It's they take it so personally. It's such a sweet tweet. Yeah, she it's, loves it, hanging out with her husband. But then what happened was some guy like people were like, actually, a lot of people can't afford yeah. gardens, and this is like, <laughs> which is like valid, I guess. But yeah, so it's also like not everything in the world is going to apply to you. You're not like the main character of the universe, right? You know, right? Yeah. Sometimes this is just for my followers who know that I'm an idiot. Yeah. And I like to scroll through the same sound and make it sound stupid. Like imagine like making a whole tweet, like being like, you're stupid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's another, imagine taking the time. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah. With LinkedIn jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards found them. Software engineers found that project manager. I could never seem to hire and found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. But anyway, as someone who takes the time to tweet at people. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I basically did tweet at her and was like, you're stupid. (laughs) We got here because you were yelling at her. Because I was that. I Uh, was this. No, but I was, oh. that was kind of when, but so, but that, uh, not to joke about it, I was, I was genuinely a little bit curious because I think she was saying, you know, I think. She being Elizabeth Warren. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had the tweet. But she was, she was basically responding to like Jerome Powell's decision to hike rates. And, mm-hmm. you know, she was basically like, this is irresponsible. You know yeah. that, or I think in, I think when he went to go speak to Congress, she was asking him like, yeah. can, can the yeah, Fed, crazy stuff. Yeah. Can, can the Fed um, do anything about yeah. oil prices? Can the Fed do anything about the crisis in, in Ukraine? Can they do anything about corporate profits? Can they do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was like, no, of course not. Um, and her point being those are the real causes of inflation. You can't actually do anything about it. Yeah. yeah. And you said. Well, so the tweet was, she tweeted out, Federal Reserve Chair Powell just announced another extreme interest rate hike while forecasting higher unemployment. I've been warning that Chair Powell's Fed would throw millions of Americans out of work. And I fear that he's already on the path to doing so. And this was in September. So a month ago. Yeah, yeah. This is The economy has changed. A year ago. It's always Jeez. changing. That's the fun thing about but I said to her, this is an incredibly irresponsible thing to tweet. Um, and the people underneath were like, I disagree with you. Like, why do you not like this? And basically the reason... I and for the s- record, I don't disagree with you. I was, I'm just curious. Yeah. Cause I well, it's okay of, if you disagree. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I was just yeah. curious. Yeah. Well, I, I think the reason I said it in the first place was... It's sort of like this is what they've been mandated to do. And I don't think the original tweet had enough context on like why they're doing what they're doing. So like the way that she is saying it is like the Fed is doing this major rate hike, everybody, and they're going to put you out of work. And I've been saying that they shouldn't do that. But it's like (laughs) 
that is the toolkit that they have. And I don't mean to be like a Fed apologist about it, but like, I do think that you, if you're an elected representative, representative, you have to provide that additional context to people so they know why all these dominoes are tipping. Just saying, hey, everybody, he's putting you out of work. Sorry. Like, that doesn't help. Right. Yeah. She needs to include. The real truth is that we actually won't do anything yeah. in Congress. Yeah. Th- they're also responsible. Right. right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be great. I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure you saw... It, this was a while ago at this point, like the Joe Biden did like a little Wall Street Journal op-ed. I'm sure he wrote oh, it, yeah. but he was basically mm-hmm. like, he basically was like, and you know, I'm going to let the Fed do their thing. Yeah. They're going to leave. Yeah. And he was basically like, I uh-huh, I remember. I am not doing this. Yeah. The Fed is doing it. Well, in, in my interview with Mary Daly, she said that like half of the inflation comes from the demand side, half comes from the supply right. side. So she, And so like they're responsible for for half of the fixing, fixing half of the inflation, um, the government is, if you go by that mindset, right? Um, so that's also the issue, is that they are res- responsible for for fixing it. But the, the, the Fed is technically responsible for fixing it. So it's easy for them to be like, well, the Fed is responsible for price stability. That's yeah. why they're there. Honestly, now that you're saying it, I'm kind of like, if I was the Fed, I'd be like, fuck you guys. I'm tired of you guys yelling at me. We're just going to hit the button. We're going to fucking do it. Okay. <laughs> the people have said that. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring yeah. prices down. Yeah, if you want they us do. To. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Government won't do anything. You yeah. guys are screaming at me. Yeah. We've oh, screamed. it's it's such a hard job. I, I can't even imagine. <clears throat> yeah. What do you think about this? We parent trap <laughs> the U.S. government and the Fed. Okay. Um, We get them in the same room. We make yeah. them fall in love. Uh, and work together yeah. to solve the problem. I think it, that would be awesome. It'd be functional, <laughs> which would be a good change. It'll be what? Functional. Right? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit more about the uh, <clears throat> the other side of it, though? Like, what do you think about the people who say, you know, there is just like, w- we've pumped too much money mm-hmm. into the economy, into yeah. Wall Street. Yeah. I, uh, you know, there is a part of me that finds that... Um, argument a little bit persuasive uh you know when you talk about like a lot of money coming out of like crypto and you know i mean also when when we're talking we talked about this on the show you know you see those headlines of and it's a great headline nine trillion americans have lost nine trillion dollars over the past whatever right but really that's coming i think it was like eight point something trillion was from like the top 10 percent, probably yeah um you know, average Americans aren't as exposed to the... Well, the top 1% of Americans own 50% of stocks. Yeah, or I think that, uh, I think, and you were saying the top 10% own 50 and then the top 1% own like 89%, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or did I say it wrong? (laughs) Oh, no, I don't remember exactly. But that doesn't make sense mathematically. Anyway, but yeah. We're not a math show. We're not (laughs) an MIT fucking... But essentially, right, like... Uh, the, 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 and this is also what, not to keep on bringing up Mary and <clears throat> no, bring up Mary as much as you want, right? <laughs> my interview. Mary's but great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was also what she was saying is that like the the distribution of assets is not equal, like, like houses, stocks, all that stuff. Right, so, but and so, but what you're saying is like, did the Fed inflate the bubble a little bit too much? Yeah, yeah. And I think 
<clears throat> I think part of the argument for people who are talking about it in that way, they were like, we are going to have to pay for this at some point. It might as well be now. Oh, my God. I don't. <laughs> so I kind of hate that mindset. And I guess it makes sense. Like a lot of people are like, oh, we need a recession to like clean out the gutters of the economy, like like all this stuff. And it's like, I don't know if we necessarily need that. I do think that there's been excess and like um, a little bit of a pullback is good for the reallocation of excess. Like, the, I mean, the valuations that were being attached to some of these crypto companies were just unsustainable. Um, but that's also the fault of maybe not the Federal Reserve, but also uh, VC, PE firms, hedge funds, right, who are allocating this capital. So I think it's sort of like if you want to place the blame, you have to do it in a tiered way, like doing one of those tier charts right. and point to where the blame can go. But I do think you're right. Like there, there has been excess in the economy. Um, and a pullback is good for sort of clearing the brush out a little bit, but I don't think that we have to have a full blown recession. Right. <clears throat> and I think they're, I, I don't think they're doing it in a callous way when they say like, oh, we just need a recession, like clear things out, reset. I think sometimes it's a thing of, you know, be realistic. I mean, yeah. you know, the stuff we're talking about where, you know, getting them to use fiscal policy in a effective way is you know it feels it feels like fantasy i mean it feels like yeah. <clears throat> yeah. i think we'd all love it if we had a um efficient governing body in the country that you know could efficiently manage markets and stuff like that but i don't think we have that and so sometimes you're like yeah fuck it push yeah. the button yeah well and i think also like the younger generation so like people under 30 under 35 even they've thank just you. been thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna go a long way for me i'm 33 oh and are you said young people oh, under 30, I, I think I, and then yeah. you said 35 yeah because yeah. you and ben were talking about that on the show and somebody was like why is ben older than my dad because <laughs> 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 he's older right Oh, he's like 40. It's <laughs> no, he's, I think he's 35. Well, okay. So people, I mean, and everybody, right? But young people under young 35. People. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, oh man, the train totally left the station. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, under 35, a lot of frustration because like, <clears throat> Like for me, I was born like right when the tech crisis was happening. So like you're born into a crisis and then the 2000, like the financial crisis happens, a pandemic happens, there's a land war in Europe. And so I think for a lot of people, it's like, wow, like things are just like the system is always trending towards disorder and uh, there's just no escape. So like, why wouldn't we have a recession? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's no. just it's just been a constant. Yeah. Every time we begin to recover, they're yeah. like, oh, we fucked it up again. And there's a lot of financial nihilism too. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And like the New York Times had a good article about that where it's just like, why would I save for the future? Like there's a climate crisis. Like there's all this stuff that um, is concerning. So I think, yeah, to your point, um, it, it, if, if something good happened and there's a lot of good things happening, but if something good happened, I think a lot of people would be like, it's just going to get bad again. You know, speaking of that article, I mean, just from like real life um because I, you know, I'm 33 and a lot of people my age are, you know, getting married and starting to like decide about kids and stuff. And <clears throat> I went to New York, I think it was last August, right when that IPCC report came out about like, they were like, mm -hmm. we fucked it. It's done. We're not going to, we're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was meeting up with people I hadn't seen in a long time and talking to them 
everyone was just so like despondent and yeah. they were, you know, a, a couple of my friends were like, what have I been saving money for? I was like, they were, I'm just going to start spending it. I don't fucking care. Like none of it's going to be here. And, uh, my one friend said he's been microdosing retirement and he really has, he's been traveling again yeah. without just spending yeah. all his money. Yeah. I think a lot of people are in that boat, especially after being, you know, locked inside for a couple of years with the pandemic and stuff. I think right. there's a lot of excess demand for that sort of lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we move on to anything else, we jumped so far ahead because yeah, we started sorry. talking about no, no no it was my fault i, I no i brought up the labor market no, no and you know i go crazy when we talk about labor. <laughs> you know i can't help. if we're talking about labor i'm gonna go fucking nutty yeah, yeah no, that's <laughs> um, it. it's really interesting so but i did want you to talk about the uh let's go back to the kind of world economy a little bit and talk about the dollar wrecking ball and oh, may, yeah. maybe you can explain that a little bit because i think it's important to understand that this is not <clears throat> as much as you know joe biden with the ice cream talking about yeah he's worried about the american economy it's 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 affecting the whole world yeah um and i think we also we have a little bit of uh oh yeah, yeah great if you go to 40 slide 40 kyla's gonna tell us a little bit about yeah dollar ominos yes yeah so when the Fed raises rates, there's all sorts of consequences. And basically, one of the consequences, not necessarily a bad thing until it gets really bad, is the U.S. dollar. Everybody wants it because the United States is like, somebody said that the United States is the cleanest shirt and a dirty laundry basket oh, right okay. now. So you're picking yeah. them out, smelling them, and you're like, yeah. mm -mm. But the United States yeah. smells okay, right? You're like Japan? Japan. <laughs> Japan's a super dirty shirt right now. <laughs> you're like, yeah. that needs a wash. Yeah. Also, this is... I, as I started to do the joke, I'm going? like, this is a really hard joke to do because I don't want to like list the country and go stinky, you know. What I, mean? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like tough. <laughs> Sorry, that was I. I didn't. I didn't help you with that either. No. Yeah, <laughs> it was my it. fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. We should honestly cut that. I didn't say stinky. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I don't even remember. That's the problem with all the the yeah. analogies. You yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of them. Like if you read somebody actually emailed me once and they're like, you got to stop with these metaphors. <laughs> well, it'll help if we go Japan economy. It's stinky. Most, no, not like people. <laughs> Am I making it worse? Just move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, dollar, dollar Romanos. But uh, so when the Fed raises rates, that creates a safe haven status out of the dollar because everyone is like, wow, you know, I want to have dollar denominated assets. So there's outsized demand for the dollar, which creates the dollar go up sort of thesis. Um, but what, when, when that happens, that puts a lot of pressure on emerging market nations because they have dollar denominated debt. And so all of a sudden that becomes more expensive to finance. And then also energy imports become more expensive for those nations. And then it also puts a lot of pressure on corporations, domestic corporations here in the United States that do business abroad. And so the dollar, if it becomes strong enough, it just creates all these other pressure points in the global economy, which it has been doing. <clears throat> right. Um, and that worsens everything for everybody. Yeah. Can we, can we put the next slide up and um, this might help? This is a very fun... Oh, my my comic. <laughs> is it okay yeah. if we show it? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's in my notes. Uh, and look, if you're an audio listener, it's you'll be able to follow along very easily. But um, Kyla has made it very easy for us to see yeah. the impact of the stronger dollar. Yeah. So she's got a picture of Jerome Powell here from the Fed Reserve raising rates to, <laughs> to fight inflation. And then we have the world saying, wow, the dollar's looking pretty strong and hot right now. I might invest. 
And then, oh man, can we zoom in a little bit? Oh, you can't read that? Okay, enough <laughs> with the... This is becoming a fucking ageist show. Um, <laughs> I wear contacts and, uh, you know, there we go. Look at that. Now that I can read. The world. The, wow, the dollar is increasing the cost of our energy mm-hmm. imports and dollar-denominated debt. This is bad. U.S. corporations, our export costs are skyrocketing. The tre- we got Janet Yellen here yeah. from the Treasury. We see the dollar ripping right now, but we cannot yeah. intervene because the Fed is going to continue hiking. Therefore, our efforts moot. Yeah. And then the Fed, also a stronger dollar helps fight inf- inflation because reduced import costs for us. <laughs> and then the U.S. dollar. I only grow in strength. Right. Yeah. And so this could have a huge impact on the world economy. I mean, you're really seeing it in emerging markets right now already right i think sri lanka is probably the worst case everything's getting way more expensive for them servicing their debt um energy energy is a big one Mm -hmm. but even a country like japan is having a lot of trouble yeah the yen has lost 50 percent against the dollar this year which is bad bad for the japanese but i'm going but you're going so good for you (laughs) so i hope it turns around in two weeks Once I leave. Yeah. yeah. No, but th- yeah, it's it's really. And concerning. is part of it because they're the Bank of Japan. Is that what they're? Yeah. Okay. The Bank of Japan is not hiking rates. Is that, is that right? They're doing easing. Yeah. So they're essentially in their bond market, buying up all the bonds in order to do yield curve control on their 10 year. And, and so why is that? Like, because wouldn't it ease some of these problems a little bit if they were to raise rates as well? It would just create a whole bunch of different issues. And they've been easing for so long that I don't even think they would know how to tighten. Um, so they've just always kept this this plan. Okay. And like what's interesting is because they've they're in the bond market, like buying up bonds, now there's no longer demand for their bonds besides coming from the Bank of Japan because the Bank of Japan is going to be top buyer. So even if they did step back, it would, and we're actually experiencing this a little bit here in the United States with the treasury market because the Fed is stepping back from buying up uh, mortgage-backed securities and other bonds. Um, and that's creating sort of this hole of structural demand in the treasury market, liquidity issues around that. And that, if it, so going back to the Bank of Japan, if they all of a sudden step back from their bond market, like it'd be like, who's who's gonna buy this stuff right yeah and everyone's going i want those sweet sweet u.s bonds well to a certain extent yeah but like so the fed is just a huge buyer of bonds and then um commercial banks are like well i don't know man like we're kind of nervous right now we're not going to be buying up as much stuff and then foreign investment is drying up because the dollar is so strong and so there is sort of an issue around structural demand for u.s treasuries too i love picturing that i i really hope like these execs and politicians are are talking the way you say i don't know man these (laughs) (laughs) i think they are (laughs) um should we jump into crypto a little bit because we're running out of time but i really want no we we we, we'll make it um but i just want to number one didn't even talk about the housing market oh shit which would you rather talk about You choose. It's your show. Oh, man. Don't make me choose between my two favorite things, the housing market and crypto. A house or crypto? Um, Maybe we could do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, Uh, we don't have to do. Yeah. 
let's jump into housing a little bit. Tell me what's yeah, going on. I just housing. think it's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, and important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's yeah. do the housing market. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me what's going on in the housing market. Well, so house prices are sort of going down. Rents are going down a little bit. Um, but that's also another interesting thing. It's like, so the Fed's been raising rates, right, in order to battle inflation. And where most of the impact is showing up is in the housing market. Because mortgage rates went from like 3.5% all the way up to 7%. Right. So if you wanted to get a house, you're just like basically straight out of luck right now. Because uh, yeah. <clears throat> that means you are seeing housing prices come down mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's necessarily more affordable right yeah it's rate of change not level because with these uh but with these new interest rates you're gonna be paying a lot per month for less house yeah yeah exactly so affordability has just completely cratered and uh, so and inflation is slowing on houses but they're still more they're still more expensive than they were a year ago right they're still yes higher. yeah okay. yeah um, Everything is still more expensive. There's just a lot of supply constraints. And people don't want to, because there's uncertainty around the economy, people don't want to move. And they don't want to, like 32 million, so there's like houses and rents, and I'm kind of like mixing up the two a little bit. But like 32 million people have no mortgage, right? So they're not going to move. Right. And so that's a total... Like that means they've paid off their home. Yeah. They don't have a mortgage payment. Right. They just own... Just own the home. An asset Can you that's going to keep appreciating. Yeah. <laughs> no, I truly can't imagine. I know. Yeah, but they, they own it outright. Um, th they pay no money to live there. Uh, Except property taxes, maybe. Well, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah that's true. But fuck them. Not, not California. California is weird about property. Anyway, yeah, yeah. but um, so there's those people. They're not going to sell their homes. They're not going to move. Like, why would they? Uh, and then, like, I think it's a third of the housing market is owned by boomers. And they're probably not going to move either because, like, you know, they're pretty much strapped in for a little bit. And so there's just not a lot of supply coming to market. And there's also not a lot of supply being built because home builders are like, whoa, you know, things are pretty wacky out here. We're not going to build up new homes. Like who's going to move in? And so like, that's also an issue too. And is it also, is it more expensive for them to build right now too? Yeah. Okay. So it's more expensive for them to build and they're worried that people will not buy them yeah. once they're built. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a lot of worries about like the actual materials that are being used to build these homes now <clears> too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so the raising rates. So is how does it all tie together? Yeah. I mean, it's the the intended effect was for it to yeah help, and and that's something Mary Daly was talking about, right? Yeah. When she and mm -hmm. and that's when I'm like, well, I don't know if this is the most convincing argument, especially with everything you're talking about. We yeah. have, um, you know, maybe prices are coming down a little bit, but affordability is not. Right. Builders don't want to build because it's expensive, and they're worried people won't move in. Yeah. So I mean, what what is the end goal with uh like where where are we gonna shake out am i ever gonna be able to am i ever gonna be able to own a home i mean home prices are going down um and it'll depend on like how supply hits the market like i think the biggest thing is like people feeling a little bit more confident again because like that's a huge part of what drives the overall economy and never feel confident well <laughs> i don't know what to tell you there it's neither do i <laughs> but i don't think it has anything to do with the fed but i don't know maybe it's to a certain extent yeah yeah let's put it on the fed. <laughs> the fed is why i feel bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i i don't know it uh it'll be interesting like it'll kind of depend on when the fed decides to pivot so that's actually a really important point that i can't believe we didn't talk about so now i can't believe we haven't talked about i know either. I, but like it's actually really important because the fed is probably the meeting is next week they're probably going to raise they're definitely going to raise rates by 75 basis points nick from the wall street journal said it but the question is they're probably going to slow down into december and only do 50 basis points and so we're starting to see the fed decide you know turning pivoting a little bit not pivoting pivoting is not the right word but slowing down their, their yeah fed. but i mean it feels crazy to even call that a slowdown yeah i, mean, I know after, yeah like, 
also if you have that slide there's a really good if you can find it there's a it shows how quickly we've raised rates it's towards the beginning oh, yeah. um and it's 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 really if you go up top you'll we'll be able to slide down to it it's a really great chart because it it really puts into perspective how quickly they've been yeah raising these rates and now no, that's another important chart though <laughs> <laughs> all these charts are important uh mm. um i uh, right there so above jerome powell's head ah, yeah. here we go here we go yeah they're really raising rates and here so the this is the fastest rate hiking cycle since the early 1980s and if you see you you can see that yeah the blue line in different years we've had more of these kind of slow yeah gradual hikes and for ours we're just going basically straight up yeah vertical and so when they talk about like oh we're actually slowing down we're pivoting you're like <laughs> Th yeah. that's insane well they're going from like 150 miles per hour on the freeway to, to like 90 but i mean uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> you'll still be know. cheering them on at the fomc <sighs> you'll have your mary daly jersey on yeah well so like i get called a fed simp a lot <laughs> <laughs> and and i think to a certain extent like things have to happen that the way that they're happening because that's how they happen but there's <laughs> also it's just like there there is room to be frustrated about the impact that this is having and frustration about the narrow tube that the fed is forcing themselves down to try and like impact the economy you know nudging things around when there's more direct ways to fix the issues that we have so i think that is the issue with this graph is that they are going fast and furious mode but it's also like if you're driving the car with no direction unless you know the only way to end it is to crash they're like fuck it i'll yeah. get in and press the gas yeah how many analogies have we done <laughs> i like i said i'm a big fan of analogies yeah you yeah. did a great one when uh, a great tiktok when they were they were doing the hiking and you were like oh. you were pretending oh, to be I, a hiker very yeah. fun yeah. yeah yeah there's been a lot of memes about uh my favorite one was that you know the shaking hands meme it's like two things and then the one thing down below with the really strong arms no okay shit <laughs> no, okay. i'm 33 so i explain <laughs> memes i see i'm just like your grandma yeah i saw one it's two hands shaking no uh but it's like it was like the fed guys on dating apps and then two hands shaking and then and then hiking. on the bottom hiking. i think my friend joey made that holy shit joey's yeah. behind the hiking yeah. meme yeah because there's like guys on tinder yeah yeah, yeah yeah guys on dating that's profile. so funny yeah, yeah. my friend joey shout out joey shout out joey his really great good newsletter <laughs> um but yeah no it's true um hiking is a big part of their life right now for both groups <clears throat> should we do a little bit of crypto yeah okay crypto okay um play the crypto thing we won't see it it's in post oh but it's sick when it goes <laughs> cheyenne made this cool artwork oh i see beep, beep. oh the, yeah and we haven't we haven't played that's why when you said you had stuff to talk about i was like oh yeah. that's great we haven't oh. done it in so long yeah and uh -huh. so i wanted you to give me a little update because all i see is like do kwan is on the run yeah which is fucking fun. like you know He's saying, you know, he's sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's not I going well. He said sorry. <laughs> Maybe he'll say sorry. Yeah. Um, but you want to talk about Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah. 
So tell me what's and some regulations. Yeah. Well, so regulation is like the key right now for crypto to be accepted into society. And like probably the future of crypto does hinge on a certain extent to proper regulation. Um, So Sam Bankman-Fried from FTX, uh, FTX is a crypto exchange. He's been really working on regulation, but the criticism of him is that he's basically making regulation for FTX to succeed rather than like the entire industry to succeed. And he also owns um, Alameda Ventures, which is like a, a crypto venture company. And they're buying up the distressed assets of these crypto companies that went belly up because of Doquan, right. because of that implosion. So he's kind of like everywhere. Monopolizing crypto? Yeah. Now explain this a little bit. Maybe <laughs> this is going to sound very naive of me, but Sam Bakeman fried is not a politician. No. He, so when you say he's working on regulations, what does that mean? So it means exactly. he's just like there. And like, is he like lobbying? I don't know if lobbying. Th- well, the last time I did see him, I think he was on stage with like Bill Clinton and. Uh... Oh, yeah. The Bahamas <laughs> thing. Yeah. Uh, Tony, or not Tony Robbins. Um, oh, who's the other Tony guy? Blair. Yeah. But who's the football guy? Anyway, um, who just. I don't know. Okay, anyway. I don't know sports. <laughs> he just got divorced. Okay, not. Anyway. Um, but yeah, they were all there, I think. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, so Sam Bankman fried not a politician, but the regulatory space of crypto right now, uh, a lot of people are paying attention to it. So I th- believe he's just there, like helping guide it, because he's testified in front of Congress before about what's going on. And but isn't uh, isn't regulation kind of like antithetical to the whole crypto? Um, I don't want to say mindset. Yeah. But ethos yes yeah well yeah yep but like in order for something to and this is just like one of those things where it has to be how it is sort of deal um in order for it to be accepted and for people not to get arrested like what happened with tornado cash which but i like when crypto guys get arrested uh, <laughs> I guess I, I'm kind of a crypto guy. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. want you to get arrested. I don't want that either. Yeah, but I, I do think like there has been some people who probably should be arrested. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so the the whole space requires regulation in order for it to be integrated properly right. into society. And the question is, should it be integrated? And like, that's, I mean, I just think there's a lot of like existential questions that crypto, the industry is going to have to answer about itself moving forward. Like, do they want to be integrated with society? Do they want to be a fringe financing? Are they the digitalization of finance or the financialization of the digital? Like there's all these questions that they're going to have to figure out. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And so, but would you say it's kind of anal- analogous to the stock market? Like, you know, we have the SEC and all these regulations that people have to abide by before they enter into the market is that kind of what they're talking about when when we're talking about regulating crypto yeah no exactly yeah like are the tokens that get issued securities and how does that sort of impact how they trade if they are securities because there's a whole lot of paperwork associated with that you know right yeah and do you have any insight on what sam bankman fried would like or is it to uh Are you not sure what he's... I mean, essentially, it would be a lot of like KYC stuff. So know your customer. And that would require uh, a lot of information on... And I think this is right. But essentially, it would require a lot of information on the customers that are being associated with different crypto apps, which would completely tear apart DeFi, which is decentralized finance, which allows people to be pseudonymous and not have to worry about having their identity broadcasted to the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anonymity will be our mm. final. Anonymity. 
ended me. <laughs> I should have tried. Yeah, it was really. I, I, so I've always, I always wanted to say that word, and like I always want to say pseudonymous, but there's always like um, a break in anonymous. Huh? Suedo anonymous. Su- no, it's no, su- no, yeah, but there's always like a break in my brain. Like, do you have words like that? Where? Oh I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So and then. You I know get, what's the hardest word in the world? Oh. Indefatigable. Indef. Um, yeah, I won't. I don't know. I don't. And yeah. Uh-huh. But I. But like, I literally sat at home and I was like, indefatigable, indefatigable. Mm-hmm. Now I can say it whenever I want. Yeah. <laughs> Good words. Hold <laughs> it up. What does it mean? It means like unable to tire. Like you can keep working forever. So not fatiguing. Exactly. Just like how crypto. But it doesn't make sense though, right? Because they have in and duh. So if you were fatigable, it would mean you would be able to get tired. But if you were defatigable, you wouldn't be. And then they put an in in there. Unfatigable? Indefatigable. 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 (laughs) Read that word in Animal Farm. Oh, yeah. That's how I I learned a lot of words, too, is reading. And so I've never heard them. No, it's not because you never hear them say aloud. And so when you try to say them in public. (laughs) No, but that's okay. But that's great and fine. I have a thing where, like, if you make fun of someone for for pronouncing something wrong, it's because they read it. So, like, you're being like, oh, what? You fucking read that word? I just heard someone (laughs) say it to me. And I was like, that sounds cool. I'll fucking say it. Yeah. But you read it, so it's like... I don't think a lot of people make that connection, though. I do. <laughs> I always say, if you pronounce a word wrong, like... Oh. Who cares? Oh, well. At least you know the word. Indefatigable. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear it because you don't have your headphones in, but he just he just hit it again. Who just hit it again? Uh, our, hit our, what? Our te- Indefatigable. Oh, hit the pronunciation. He keeps hitting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Indefatigable. I, I don't have anything in my ears. I can't. Yeah. Just only my thoughts. Was there anything else you really wanted to get to or you think we hit a lot? I think we hit everything. The housing market, crypto. Um, I mean, there's like so much to talk. Like bonds are really interesting right now, which is like a weird sentence to say. But bonds <laughs> are really cool. But I mean, yeah, I think this is this is good. Um, energy markets. There's so much to discuss. Well, you know? we can always have you back on. Yeah. And I'm so happy you came. Mm-hmm. This was so fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for... Uh, also, everyone, go follow Kyla My on... Newsletter. Oh, go follow her newsletter. Oh yeah, plug anything you want. I oh mean, yeah, she's a she's the best source on the economy out there. She makes it oh. fun, interesting. She's honestly, you are like, I don't know how you keep so many things in your head. It's very, it's very impressive. So I was actually thinking about my thoughts this morning. You were thinking about your thoughts. This morning. <laughs> yeah, because I was, I was like, man, I was like typing out notes for this, and I was like, I'm, tr- I really do feel like that guy that's like drawing the lines on that meme like that mm-hmm. guy because like my brain is trying to like connect the dots in my head so like i have this big visualization in my head of like all the different things that are going on like here's the bond market and like here oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you ever feel like you have the perfect thing in your head but you're like oh there's no way i can get it yeah yeah no, all that. the time yeah. yeah yeah i'm like if i could just open it up you could see yeah. it and you'd be like oh just crack the skull open. yeah we should all crack yeah. our heads open <laughs> yeah um <laughs> okay tell them where they can find you because because you're yeah. an invaluable resource if yes. you care about this stuff um so kyla.substack.com i'm on tiktok at kyla scan twitter at kyla scan instagram at kyla scan i have youtube channel as well and then i have a podcast called let's appreciate so i think it's everything and they're yeah. all fantastic yeah there's me with mary and my uh watermelon thesis yeah her yeah. stuff is so fun i really mean it and she makes it um very easy to understand and keep up with everything thank you Thanks for coming on, Kyla. Thanks for having me.
Also, Ben is not here, but we do have, uh, I do want to let people know, we are still doing After Hours, and we have a very special guest. We have a, we have famous author, Philip Matteries. He's going to be talking about his book, whoop, Horn If You're Honky. It's a, you're going to want to stick around for that. It's, it's a real treat for me to get to talk to one of my favorite authors. So, I will see you in After Hours. Okay, bye. <laughs> This week on After Hours. And you keep tossing me into these after dark things. <laughs> Is that famous author? Yeah. Bill Mattery? I'll get cuffed in the band. Oh, cuffed. Cuffed. We are best friends. That's going to hurt a lot of people out there. They think me and Ben are best friends. All right. Did people know that I introduced you guys? Sign up on TMGstudios.tv to watch the full bonus episode.